please listen carefully. Hey, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm John Haley. And I'm Kate Orslan. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hey, John. Hey, Kate. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. As we're recovering from convention this week, mm-hmm. I think we had a pretty good time down in Norfolk. It was an excellent time. Uh... Thank you to everyone for coming out and experiencing convention with us and helping to, wait for it, accelerate your business. Nice. Thanks. I'm proud of you. I'm on brand today. You are. So, we're going to start a series of podcasts today on lease problems. Uh, and the first installment of this hopefully soon-to-be award-winning series is tenant applications. So, let's talk about tenant applications today. Sure. Um, so we're dedicating the month of October to property management. We got a series of five episodes, as we said, they're going to discuss the different challenges that property managers face and the policies that you can implement to help prevent them. We're going to start at the beginning of a property management transaction with the lease application. But before we get into that, I need to make a quick pitch for our property management conference, which this year is called PMX. PMX. Not DMX. Sorry. <laughs> no. Very different kind of convention, um, but we'll, we'll get into that later. I don't know. That, that could be our bonus episode at the, the holidays for, uh, for all of our loyal listeners. Nothing says Christmas like DMX. That's very true. Uh, this year, speaking of Christmas, not at all, we'll be in Harrisonburg, Virginia uh, on November 14th through 16th for PMX, the Property Management Conference. That's right. Come for the classes. Stay for the stories. That's the tagline. I like it. At PMX, you'll get the most up-to-date information on your business with networking opportunities among fellow property managers. Head to our website to get all the details and to register for PMX. Um, It'll be a great time. So let's start by talking about some definitions. A tenant is any person who is legally and financially obligated under the lease and also is authorized to occupy the property. Compare this with an occupant who is allowed to be in the property but does not have a financial obligation under the lease. So you probably think of a child. Right. Uh, Finally, there's a third category of person, the guarantor. They have a financial obligation under lease but not a right to occupy the unit. You'd probably um, encounter that um, if you were in college and renting a property. You probably don't have an income, so your parents may have signed on as a guarantor. Right. Mine certainly did. Uh, All right, so let's run through those again because you can never go through them too many times. An occupant has the right to be in the unit, but no financial obligation. A tenant has both the right to be in the unit and a financial obligation. And finally, a guarantor has no right to be in the unit, but does have a financial obligation. Guarantors seem to be getting the short end of the stick. They really do, yeah. So now that we know who all the potential parties are, let's start with who needs to fill out an application. There's no requirement in the law, so you need to check your company policy. If you're running a company, make sure that you have a company policy. Um, Many places require any person over the age of 18 and who will reside in the unit, as well as any guarantors, to fill out an application. Having the guarantor fill out the application makes sense. The application gets information on income and bank accounts, providing information on the ability to pay the rent. It also makes sense to have everyone over the age of 18 that will reside in the property fill out the application as it provides information on the widest possible group of those who could be legally and financially responsible under the lease. 
When these parties complete an application for a specific rental property, they are often required to pay an application fee and or deposit. So let's discuss the application fee. An application fee is a non-refundable fee that an applicant pays to the landlord or managing agent for being considered as a tenant for the specific property. Application fees are capped at $50 plus actual out-of-pocket expenses paid to a third-party screening service. So if you have to pay $30 to a screening website, then you could charge up to $80. But you should also note that if the unit is in public housing or is otherwise regulated by the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the application fee is capped at $32 plus any out-of-pocket expenses. $32 is a weird number. There may have been some Magic Johnson fans out there who said that. I don't know. But if it's a public housing, $32 is the maximum amount you can charge for the application fee. The other type of money that can be collected with the application is an application deposit. An application deposit is any refundable deposit of money, including money that is intended to be used as a security deposit. While the law doesn't specifically cap the application deposit, security deposits are capped at two months rent and application deposits automatically become security deposits on the commencement date of the lease. So max two months rent, somewhere in between there. Right. So that's to say the application deposit must be less than two months' rent. So we get the mechanics, but now let's take a look at the rest of the application. So when you're involved in property management, it's critical to have established tenant selection criteria. This allows you to select tenants who are best suited for the property without running afoul of any applicable laws, especially fair housing laws. Let's go over a quick recap of the protected classes for fair housing for those who haven't committed this to memory. You all should know this, but... It's a, it's a list. Right. Say it along with me now out there in podcast land. Under federal law, there are seven protected classes. One, race, a group of people united based on a common history, nationality, or geography. Number two, color, the color of one's skin. Number three, religion. Four, gender. Five, national origin, which means a person or their ancestor's country of birth. Six, familial status. Individuals under the age of 18 who live with a parent or guardian, pregnant women, and anyone about to obtain custody of someone under the age of 18. And finally, number seven, disability. An individual with a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more of a person's major life activities, a record of such impairment, or being regarded as having such an impairment. Virginia Fair Housing Law adds another protected class, elderliness, which is age 55 or older, and realtors are prohibited from discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. So that's from the Code of Ethics. Finally, some Virginia localities may impose their own fair housing protected classes. So make sure you check local fair housing ordinances in your county as there are some that add additional categories. Fair housing issues could come up when you ask for someone's social security number. What if they don't have one? You ask for their age, whether you run a background check or a credit history. Information about whether the individual has a pet, is it a pet or is it an assistance animal, and remember, those are two different things, or small children. Let's take a look at some legal hotline questions highlighting issues that property managers may face with tenant applications. So, Kate, real-life example from the legal hotline. If I am, legally, denying the applicant because there is another, better qualified applicant, does that mean I can keep the application fee and deposit? The application fee is designed to cover your time, administrative, and out-of-pocket costs for the processing of the application. It is not refundable. 
The application deposit, however, is refundable and must be returned to the tenant regardless of the reason for denying him or her. A potential tenant is moving to Virginia from California. She included on her application that she has two assistance animals. The letter from her California doctor states that she requires an assistance dog to help with her anxiety. The property is pet free. To approve her application, does she need to have a, uh, a note from a Virginia-based doctor? And can I deny one of her assistance animals because the letter specifies she needs one and not two assistance animals? This is a common issue that we see, and it comes up on the lease application. And we've had previous podcasts dedicated to assistance animals. First, as we say time and time again, an assistance animal is not a pet. Absolutely not a pet. I was looking into the future when I said that a few minutes ago. But yeah, assistance animal, not the same thing as a pet. An assistance animal is, and I quote, an animal that works, provides assistance, or performs tasks for the benefit of a person with a disability, or provides emotional support that alleviates one or more identified symptoms or effects of a person's disability. You can't just deny an assistance animal because it is a pet-free property. You need to engage in an interactive process. Additionally, under Virginia law, the person providing verification of the disability-related need for the assistance animal is not required to have a Virginia-based license. The person providing the verification does need to have a therapeutic relationship with the tenant, which means it should be from a mental health service provider, a licensed or certified individual who serves persons with disabilities, a peer or support group that doesn't charge for services, or a caregiver or government entity. Any person or facility providing the verification must have actual knowledge of the person's disability. But again, assuming this person has that knowledge, he or she does not need to have a Virginia-based license. And finally, you are allowed to request verification pertaining to the nexus, the relationship. Big word. It is a big word. Not Lexus, but nexus. The relationship between the disability and the need for each assistance animal, sorry. Assuming the disability and the disability-related need for the assistance animal are not obvious. But this might be a situation in which to ask further questions and engage in the interactive process rather than outright denying the request for an assistance animal may be your best bet. It's also always prudent to speak with an attorney when engaging in this process. We can give you general legal information here. We can't provide you specific advice, as our omnipotent producer will tell you in a few minutes. Uh, but if you have a specific situation where this is going to be an issue, you should really talk to an attorney who specializes or at least is very familiar with fair housing law and ask him or her to weigh in. I think that this really highlights, um, you know, John gave a very long and detailed answer, and I think it really highlights how complicated the application process can be um, here with one question about a, an assistance pet marked on the um, application, it brings in a lot of other issues, so it can get really complicated really quickly. And with that, let's talk about how to limit your risk. Tenant selection process is quite complicated, and it all starts with the lease application. The best protection that you can have for yourself and your agents is to make sure that you have clear policies outlined in your office policy manual. Virginia Realtors has a template for your office policy manual available on our website, and it's a really great start for them. Also, make sure your agents are educated on current laws pertaining to fair housing and landlord-tenant issues. And, and finally, attend PMX in November. Come hang out with us. 
Thank you for joining us. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes, and please rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline, where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the Legal tab on the Four Members section. Make sure you are logged in to see this page. Thanks. Bye. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is a general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis, and we make no warranties, and we disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2018. This podcast features the song Pleases and Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license.